You're going to see people who are really good at strategic planning. You're going to see people who are really good at libraries. And then you're going to see people who are good at strategic planning and libraries. Which do you want? Are you going to be selecting a firm because they know your community? Or are you looking for fresh eyes? Tailor your rubric to your goals. I'm Julia Prince. I'm Pam Fitzgerald, and we're with the Ivy Group. Today, we're talking about how to write a strategic planning RFP with Ellen Robertson. She's one of our in-house library consultants. Welcome, Ellen. Well, Pam, as you know, in my former life, I was an Ivy Group client, um, and I've been uh, here at the Ivy Group for, oh, time passes when you're having fun, 14 fun-loving years. And uh, particularly over the last 10 years or so, I've had the great opportunity to work largely um, with our library clients. Ellen, I always think of, of uh, the librarian's perspective on this. When they write an RFP, I think of what it was like to plan my daughter's wedding. You do it once, <laughs> you make all your mistakes, and then you wish you could have another chance to do it, right? You wish you had more daughters. <laughs> or, no, I'm not sure about that, but any, at any rate. You're eager to share your uh, lessons learned with other mothers. Exactly. I will proclaim to the world that I am a committed and hardcore library user myself. It was one of my favorite places as a little girl, and now I have the, the great pleasure with my little girl um, being a regular at our library here in town. Um, a lot of the work that I do for libraries here is um, on the research side. Um, and what I really enjoy working with our clients is getting to know them. Um, the relationship piece of the business for me in what I do uh, here professionally, as well as the relationship business that librarians are in. And one of the things that I say when a librarian is in a bit of the, the daunting position of needing to start a planning effort is, Ellen, don't you just think we can do this ourselves? And I say to them, you, you can, you can do it, but should you? And do you really, do you really want to? Meaning, do you want to be taken away from your core business of serving customers and managing your staff and running the business? Um, my sense is the library director and the library senior management team, for example, are in the business of today. Um, it's difficult to be in today and tomorrow, three years from now, five years from now at the same time. There's a lot of value that an outsider comes um, and brings to you with fresh eyes, fresh perspectives, um, knowledge of what other organizations or individuals have experienced in similar um, situations. Some projects that we've worked on, I think some library directors have benefited from, if not enjoyed, enabling us to be the bad guy in some situations, to um, be able to speak candidly with observations without restrictions and being hamstrung by relationships or um, any sort of political connections. Past history. Sure, past histories, right. How things right. have always been done. Exactly, exactly. There is something to be said from our perspective on how do you typically work in this situation? It's difficult for those in that situation to be able to see another path and to be able to evaluate whether it's really working. So now it's time to sit down and write that RFP. What are some of the big do's and don'ts? I would say the lion's share of library directors have never written an RFP before. Mm -hmm. um, 
I'm a big believer in the practice of seeking wise counsel. Library directors, librarians in general, they're people, people. Um, take advantage of the relationships that you have. Pick up the phone and call someone with whom you've worked previously or someone that you've met at a conference uh, whose opinion you would value and say, getting ready to kick off this effort, where do I start? You all did a strategic plan a couple of years ago. Do you, still, you have a copy of your RFP? How do I go about this? Before they sit down to actually write the document, spend a little time thinking, what do we want to accomplish? What time period do we need to cover? Why are we really wanting to take on this effort? Is it because of fundraising issues? Is it because we need to have a building campaign for a new branch? Um, is our community in any sort of particular stress? Do we have a new board? Are we having a lot of employee turnover? Why do we want to do this? Really evaluate why they want to take on a plan rather than just mm -hmm. do it because procedure. It's a, it, yes, it's a best practice. So let's talk about money, the budget for the work in the RFP. I will have librarians ask me, how much does a strategic plan cost? How much does a car cost? <laughs> <laughs> and you know my shtick very well. I always mm -hmm. go back to that. When you were 10 years old, did you know how much a car cost? You don't really know what a car costs until you're buying your first car. When someone asks me how much a strategic plan costs, I know they hate my answer. <laughs> it depends. Um, but it really does depend uh, on the scope of work. I would suggest that uh, librarians do a little bit of homework, talk to contacts or relation with others um, with whom they are, you know, they have a close relationship to find out what have you accomplished in the past? What did it cost? Because I think there can be some sticker shock, which can feed actually where we started this conversation, which is why do I need a consultant? Mm -hmm. If it costs that much, I can just do it myself. I would suggest that from the standpoint of putting together a budget for the project, really helpful uh, for those of us on this side of the equation to have a range. If you have a number, communicate that yeah. number. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you may say, truly, I don't know what right. our budget is. Right. I don't know what this should cost. And that's okay. We can help guide people through that process. But if you know... I have X amount and not a penny more, and this is what I have to work with, mm -hmm. then share that and we can craft a scope of work to meet that. Budget doesn't have to be a dirty word. We can speak openly about it and we can uh, transparently communicate what that budget can accomplish in terms of a strategic planning community assessment. In combination, it enables the consultant to price a scope of work thoughtfully specifically and um, with a sense of yeah, real to, value. To tailor the activities mm -hmm. to the budget while still accomplishing the end goal. The end goal. Yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. A consultant really benefits from having an RFP that is as specific as possible in terms of the goals and aspirations for the project. Where we sometimes can hit problems is if the RFP is so specific with respect to the work plan, where it says, we want to do focus group and community surveys. They may know that another library conducted focus groups and therefore we must do focus groups where we might have ideas for better methodologies that could be more effective, uh, more cost effective, certainly, um, and yield a greater, greater input. If your goal is community engagement, 
there are lots of ways of engaging the community. I'm talking about public libraries in particular right now. So to say we want focus groups presupposes that that's the best solution for a particular population group. But if it's more broadly community engagement with, as you said, a series of goals, then we can sort of tailor the the plan mm -hmm. to what the goals are rather than to sort of check off the box. Okay, you know, we, we did focus group, we included focus groups. Right? We, we would push back against issuing a scope of work that just falls into, we think that we're expected to do focus groups. We think that we're expected to do a town hall. And then that's where we can come in and talk to you about the most, as Alan said, effective, cost-effective way to uncover that information or to accomplish really that goal. That's really an interesting point, Julia, because then you're no longer really a vendor. You've already started the consulting process mm -hmm. in preparing the proposal. You're already customizing all your experience, all your tools, all your knowledge to this particular situation rather than responding basically on a commodity basis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the challenges of working in this RFP format where there's not the opportunity for a lot of communication back and forth. If an RFP is issued and it doesn't include the information that we need to know, yes, we can submit a question to the pre-proposal conference, uh, but that's not really the same as a conversation, uh, a back and forth, a dialogue to really get at, but what are you trying to say? What do you want to know? Um, you know, to, to address that challenge, that is why we include options and add-ons oftentimes in our proposals. Uh, to give you that flexibility and to say, you know, we we think you're asking for this. We think that this is what you'd like to know. Uh, if that's the case, here's a scope of work we think meets that need. But if we've misunderstood you or if this is something that uh, perhaps wasn't addressed in your RFP, but we think should have been, here's an alternative scope of work. Throughout it all, clarity is key. What should the library include in terms of timelines in the RFP? True confession, an RFP hits my desk. The first place I go is I want to know when it's due. Mm -hmm. I zip right to that due date. Break out the highlighter. That's what's important. <laughs> um, probably my biggest piece of advice to a library is you really do want to work with a firm that's going to approach your needs thoughtfully um, and put together a work plan um, that is custom and tailored to the library's situation and needs. Being thoughtful takes time and those of us in the consultant business, uh, thankfully, hopefully, Pam, at any given time, we have existing clients on the desk mm -hmm. that we're working on. Yeah, they're a uh, priority. <laughs> yeah. So all things being equal, um, three weeks, or four weeks preferably, Julia, wouldn't you say? I'm nodding to four weeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> from the time that an RFP is issued for a due date. Um, Especially if there's a pre-proposal conference, we need to make sure that we have the answers to our preliminary questions in enough time to incorporate those answers. Right. So sometimes, um, truth be told, I can think of a number of occasions where an RFP has hit my desk and it's due in six days. Mm-hmm. And we have existing client deadlines or travel or something on the table. And it's... God forbid a holiday. <laughs> oh, yeah. FedEx and holidays. Yay. Yeah. Um, and that has precluded us from being able to, to submit a proposal. So time is great 
um, it's great on the front end. And there are two issues around holidays. One is that an RFP will say, well, we want this written by February 1st, when in fact, holiday time has not been taken into account. Mm -hmm. For a lot of reasons, December is half a write-off. Sure. Summer vacations yeah. are, are write-offs too. It's tough. It's tough. Um, we Because we highly recommend a strategic plan being data-driven right. and research-based, not going off of everything that you think you know in your head about your community and its needs. Um, summer specifically and holidays mm -hmm. certainly are tough to get people on the phone or get people to participate in a focus group or attend a town hall meeting. I don't think there's anybody out there who wants us or any consultant to go to the shelf and because of a time constraint, pull something off the shelf just to be able to have an assignment to turn in. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, it should be customized. Um, for the effort and the expense um, of the effort. While we're talking about time, all right, my true confession was I zip straight to the due date. Mm -hmm. The second place I go, which is typically right around the due date in an RFP, is what form should the proposal uh, take in terms of it being delivered? Mm -hmm. um, hard copy or electronic? Save the trees, please. <laughs> please save the trees, not only from the standpoint of efficiency, but... From a time standpoint, uh, we are increasingly residing in a technological world. Let's use technology. Places, the situations where we can submit uh, a proposal electronically, we love that. What do we hope that selection committees keep in mind when our proposal is in front of them? Oh, that we're the best. <laughs> <laughs> but past that. But, but beyond that, right. <laughs> it's really helpful when an RFP indicates uh, to the extent that a library knows when they expect to be making a decision. So we can have a sense of a time frame by which we, we might hear back. We'd like to know. Mm -hmm. um, we're invested in the potential work already at that point. We've just spent a few weeks thinking about you. We had you on the brain. Are you thinking about us? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, have you considered the cost of travel? Are you actually going to be looking at, at consultants who are geographically closer because Travel is something that you either can't afford or that your political, whatever management, whatever environment uh, won't tolerate. Defining what the expectations are. Do you want people on site? How often do you want them on site? Uh, you know, have you considered the cost of travel? It, is that going to influence your decision? You know, is there a bias in favor of local or regional over, over national? These are things that you should consider to actually specify the RFP because you don't want to waste the time of people who are, you know, planning to respond from far away if they understand clearly that that travel, the travel budget is modest or the travel expectations are, are um, not going to be underwritten or perhaps that the travel uh, uh, expectations are, are going to be onerous. Mm -hmm. It is a helpful piece of information to have from the RFP um, a rubric, if you will, for how the submissions will be evaluated. It's helpful for two reasons. It's helpful for the consultants submitting proposals to see um, how important experience in a particular area may be uh, that they may want to play up in their submission. Um, what level of emphasis does price carry um, in the evaluation? We all know price is important. Um, but is price more important than, say, experience in a particular area? 
Um, how important is the pre-existing knowledge of the community? Maybe the library wants to hire a local firm. You're going to see people who are really good at strategic planning. You're going to see people who are really good at libraries. And then you're going to see people who are good at strategic planning and libraries. Which do you want? Are you going to be selecting a firm because they know your community? Is that part of the rubric? Or are you looking for fresh eyes? Tailor your rubric to your goals. Which brings me to the second point for the importance of a rubric. If the library sits down and pre-establishes, how are we going to evaluate the submissions? That gives them an objective measure for evaluating based on planning work they put in on the front end. Personality really counts. And having a, a good relationship with the consultant is really critical. There's no reason why in the course of qualifying people, or perhaps when you've got yourself down to a few finalists, picking up the phone, having some informal conversations. If, if your RFP process allows for it, obviously procurement sometimes has its own rules, but I think personality is really, that, that personality fit is important. One of the things that um, we would recommend is if the RFP allows a library to do this is, um, you've got any questions? or the scope of work is a little bit bigger than perhaps the budget preferences, don't let that be a period at the end of the sentence. Pick up the phone and let's have a conversation. Perhaps work plan can be tailored um, in such a way that a budget accommodation can be made. It makes for an overall stronger scope of work. I also think that, you know, working with a consultant, working with a librarian, it's like a marriage. You know, you don't want somebody doing the tango and somebody doing the walls. Mm -hmm. And that's the sort of thing that I think make it so important for libraries to call a consultant's references. Um, it's a standard component of most RFPs as it should be. I think lots of times references seem to be requested and then provided from the standpoint of the scope of work that was performed, the delivery of service on budget and on timeline, qualifications that the consultant brings to bear, but it's the, it's the interpersonal connections that I think are so important that may or may not come through in the RFP. So... The proposal's in, the review committee has looked them over, the finalists have been chosen, the reference calls were made, and one individual or, or uh, entity has risen to the top. What happens at that point? Don't forget the individuals or companies who did not rise to the top. It's always appreciated for those of us who have not been on the receiving end of a contract award um, to get that information, to be told we've made a selection. It should be a learning experience for us too, so that we, we understand even better what librarians need and want, and so that we can prepare the next proposal more thoughtfully, uh, more responsibly with something that we've learned from, what do they say, you learn from your failures? More so more, than your successes. More, more than your successes, yeah. right. And the feedback doesn't always mean that there was a failure. It just means there might have been a mismatch in terms of the resources the library had available against the scope of work that was proposed. Um, you know, if, if we fell short, let us know why. Uh, if it was less about falling short and more just about things outside of everyone's control, uh, that's helpful to know as well. It all comes back to communication. Of course, we love happy endings. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when it does happen, uh, this is an opportunity really to, for the library to 
um, announce, you know, what, what the public can expect, what's coming next. It's the first step towards creating this larger cadre of ambassadors for the library. The Advancing America's Libraries podcast is produced by the Ivy Group, a full-service strategic planning and marketing firm based in Charlottesville, Virginia. Connect with us on Twitter, at Ivy Group, to follow our adventures and share your own library experiences.